Oh, hey man, how you doing? I'm uh, I'm super spooked, Kel, by all Boom. the uh, by all the spooky <laughs> decorations you put up in the video shop. We got a oh, yeah. got some fake spider webs. Uh, you got I some graves everywhere. Another power move. I love, I love that you're trying to do another power move of like, well, you work in the video shop, I'm just walking in. <laughs> Nonsense. That's not how we do here, boy. I don't let you get away with those, uh, you piece of shit. But anyone who hasn't listened to the podcast for a long time wouldn't understand that there's this rivalry about who is the one walking <laughs> into the video shop and who's the chump just working there. Because <laughs> it's the one of us. The video shop... <laughs> The video shop canon is super weird. Oh. If you're a, if you're a new listener, welcome. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah there are multiple timelines. There's um, yeah. Um, I mean, we're in the uh, separate time. And dog. <laughs> there was a cat at some point. He used to play some music. I don't know where he is. Yeah, he was, He had like a one man band set up. I had like the drum on his back, the symbols between his knees. I don't think he existed in this timeline though. I think he existed in the Adventures of Sam and Cal timeline. No, no, no. Jeff, Jeff was in the original timeline. Was he in the OG time? Where, where does the OG timeline stop? Because who knows, man? Because <laughs> remember when <laughs> this is almost confusing as a horror movie franchise. <laughs> <laughs> ah. uh, welcome to Spooktober. Uh. You'll notice everything on the video shop's real spooky now. We got a spooky yes. logo. Our Twitter's all spooky. Our Twitter now calls ourselves the self-declared spookiest people on the internet, not the self-declared de- <laughs> funniest people on the internet. So look out for all them spook one times. Is, <laughs> one is absolutely more true than the other, and we'll never tell you which one. <laughs> I tell you what is scary, uh, Cal. Anyway. How much great content mm. we've got coming up for our listeners. That's that's scary. It's, it's positively spine tingling. <laughs> How much quality goofs we've got in the pipeline for you. Um, so shall we crack on with some tweety birds? Tweet tweets. We, we should. Um, first tweet we have is from at Riley is good. It says mm-hmm. mid-episode tweets. Haven't seen Spies in Disguise. Then what are you doing <laughs> listening to the episode? Watch Spies in Disguise. It's not like you've got anything else to do. But it's also not like we could have spoiled that much of the movie. Um... Because, I mean, as a as a huge defender of the movie Spies in Disguise, there's not much to spoil, is there? <laughs> it's, I mean, if, if if you say Will Smith plays a super spy who gets turned into a pigeon, that's all you need to know. Correct. Um, uh, Riley's good goes on. I don't think there's any actor I'll always go see any film they're in. But with a limitless cinema mm. membership, I do try to see pretty much everything. If Carol or Gillen or whoever is something, I'll just be slightly more keen. Uh, that's a good point. So, well, that was making a like a reference to your point that you don't think anybody really does that. Well, I, 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 my point was more that, like, in the past, movie franchises were built on the back of famous actors, right? So it's mm. like, see this movie because Arnold Schwarzenegger's in it. But now they're like, see mm. this movie because it's a Marvel movie, mm. yeah. Or because it's a, like, like I, they build they build huge blockbusters on the back of franchises now rather than on the back of actors. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like. I probably didn't stick up for you as much as I should have in that because <laughs> I, I do, I do see what you were coming from. Like, I do get that point that you were trying to make. Um, 
Yeah, and I think I think you're right. It is something that like is just generally not done as much anymore. At least from the movie making standpoint, yeah. I still would like. I want to do that, but there's no one who's like, there's no casting choice that I go that's perfect anymore. At least, like I haven't had one of those for a while. Uh, Robert Battenbat for uh for the Batman. Fuck that. <laughs> uh, callback reference. Um, um, but also, I understand, like, if there's, if I'm like umming and ahhing, if I can see every movie that comes out and I'm umming and ahhing about two movies that I'm equally invested in going to see, I'll go see the one probably with an actor I'm, I know. Yeah, that's good. Um, for some familiarity. But I think you're, but I think, yeah, my original point that you don't build a franchise on the back of an actor anymore. The only one I can think mm. of is like, Mission Impossible. I think without Tom Cruise, those movies would be nothing. There'd be nothing. Yeah, but also, if they did a spin-off, mm. if they did Mission Impossible Presents Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You'd go watch that. Yeah, I probably would. Um, though after <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw, maybe not. Because as yeah, our audience not. would know, that was a, that was a very, very bad movie. And the best bit of it, spoilers, was the bit with Ryan Reynolds. Which isn't long, but it's the best <laughs> bit. Um, uh, spoilers for Hobbs and Shaw, he stabs a guy with a brick. That's the one and only joke that they do with him. Yep, and it's the best joke in the movie, so... Uh, Next tweet, also I from mean, <laughs> at Riley is good, um, which is a follow-on from the first tweet. Like when I saw Little Women, there were no specific actresses that made me think I had to go watch it, but seeing that, but seeing that some big names I like were in it, it made me expect to like it a little more. Mm. Um, which is also true, um, although that could be a bad thing. It raises your expectations. As, as we know at the video shop, never have raised expectations going into a movie. <laughs> yeah, like, you need to go in expecting nothing. Um, yeah, which is probably why I have a sort of weird relationship with um, actors and having expectations about a movie, because... Yeah, I have to go into each one expecting nothing, otherwise I'm going to be disappointed. Or uh, or I'm going to overhype it. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be super surprised. Um, the thing is, a great actor obviously will, will make a, a, can make a movie amazing, but so often it comes down entirely to script and director. Even a great actor mm. can be bad in a movie, you know? Mm. Uh, Samuel Jackson, I think everyone would say, is an amazing actor, but his performance mm. in the Star Wars prequels... Izzy's best performance, and people just don't give George Lucas the credit for his directing style. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and that was a classic subversion of expectations right there, Kel. That and plenty more goose await you <laughs> in spoopy weeds. Yeah, scary. Scary, these hot takes we've got here, Kel. God damn it. Um, we got another final tweet from Riley's Good, um, and this is Spooky Month Suggestions. Now, this is what we're here for. Um, yes. Uh, the first one is The Babysitter, in brackets, and it's apparently no good sequel. Uh, the, okay. We'll get, we, we will discuss that upon yeah, discussing I'm... the movies. Uh, the Candyman mm-hmm. films, because they were meant to be... Because there was meant to be a new one this year, but it was delayed. The Saw films, because there was meant to be a new one this year, but it was delayed. Um, so... Okay. Like we're almost definitely not doing Saw in th- just because there's like ninety of those things. Now. But we're probably going to do Candyman, and we're probably going to do that next mm. week because I actually have never seen the Candyman movies. 
Um, and I was, but I was really excited yeah. for the new one based on the director, the producer. It's a Jordan Peele produced um, horror okay. film, and I'm there for that. Yeah. Uh, and Nia DaCosta is the director, um, and she's an up and coming. Okay. She's an up and coming director who I'm very excited to see what she does. They like whoever's seen Candyman likes her so much. She's directing Captain Marvel too. So I'm like, I'm interested. Who Captain Marvel one? Uh, two people I've never heard of. Okay, I mean, fair enough. <laughs> Sorry, those two directors. Uh, yep, they did fine, but I'm I'm more excited for it knowing that Nia DaCosta is directing it. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll talk about the Babysitter, and it's apparently no good sequel in a minute. But we got one more tweet to cover, which is from uh, yep. at Goddamn Robots. At Goddamn says, mid-episode tweet, Blue Sky reminds me of Sega. They have some great stuff, Ice Age, Sonic 1. They have some really bad stuff, Ice Age 5, Sonic 6. They have made some (laughs) strange choices and they are never the best. But because of their good stuff, they won't be forgotten, hopefully. Well, and yeah, I think they do have their following. There are people who are like, no, Ice Age is better than... um, I can't think of an equivalent Pixar thing because Pixar doesn't stick around. But like, I, I don't remember Toy Story particularly fondly. You are an absolute fondly. madman, though. T- Toy Story is one of the uh, one of the best animated series ever. I don't remember disliking it. I remember being like, "Why is there a second one?" The second and one's even better. It's uh, Cal. I mean, Cal. Um, Cal. I know you still tr- struggle with your hipster tendencies, and I know it's no, I know it's it... Spooktober, so you're wanting to kind of um, you're wanting to subvert some expectations. But you're talking nonsense, my friend. Nonsense. No, fuck <laughs> it. I- I'm just going to come out and say, Toy Story sort of stopped after the first one. There's really just no. Oh point my god. That that franchise existing, and no, I won't watch the third one. It's it's so sad. <laughs> Cal is so sad. <sighs> I didn't know I this about care. you, and it's going to affect our friendship. Anyway, shall we crack on? <laughs> I'm sure we've talked about this, but yes, let's crack on. <laughs> That's it. That's all the tweets. So we can crack on with the actual oh, cool. episode. All right, crack on with playing the music. Shop podcast about what you're watching, maybe. I'm your host, Cal. I'm your other host, Sam, and today we're here to, to spook you with spooky movies. Spooky movie Boom. today is The Babysitter and The Babysitter Killer Queen. Um, spoilers. So what, what did you. Spoilers up front. So are we going to do. Are we going to do one, then the I other? I think we should do one. Are we talk about the whole pie? I think, I think we should do the one, then the other, because I. You watched them both for the first time, what, yesterday? Today? Like, hours today, ago? Back to back, like a couple of hours ago. Like, so I got up, I ate breakfast, I watched <laughs> I watched The Babysitter, I ate lunch, I watched The Babysitter too, and here I am. What a day, what a day. Um, I had already seen the first one. I did re-watch it, but I'd already seen it. And I watched them Good. one night after the other. So I didn't watch them ba- yep. quite back to back. Um, yep. I really like the first babysitter. I was very confused in the beginning, and it really turned around <laughs> on me. Like I really liked it by the end. Um, yeah. It's strange because it's a McG movie, 
Um, yeah, I know you hate McG. I fucking hate McG so much, but it's mostly because of Terminator Salvation. Um, I was it's hard say, to I forgive. haven't seen a movie by McG that I didn't like, that I didn't have a good time in. I shake my head at you, Cal. I shake my head. <laughs> Stupid Terminator Salvation. And I I learnt today that he did the music video for Pretty Fly for a White Guy. Oh he yeah, was I think like I at least a producer on that. I think I did know that. Yeah. He also did. He did a lot of music um, videos. Yeah, which makes a lot of sense in the Babysitter too. But that's yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah, I had a super good time with this movie after getting through an active setup. Yeah. So um, there's some. So I watched it with Brianna, and we had an interesting kind of discussion about the setup because he, the kid's kind of weird. Like, obviously, he's played as a weird kid, but he seems younger than he is. Mm. And yeah. in that setup, it it's kind of confusing until you kind of get to the end of that that first act, and you're like, no, the setup mm. is that he is he's quite like not immature, but he's quite emotionally young for his age. He hasn't quite mm. figured it all out, which is obviously fine. But that's what he is dealing with. That's him as a character, his flaw. Mm. And, like, it, it seemed like they were setting up, yeah, an underdog character um, who's going to go through a coming-of-age story and and be yeah, the sole survivor of a horrific thing. Um, but also he has no problems, does he? Not really. He's got like, parents that are quite loving. He's bullied. Yeah, I mean, but not really. He even, like, stood up to the bully in, like, the first scene. Like, he's being a smart-ass, sarcastic <laughs> bastard to the bully as soon as the bully turns up. It's true. And he doesn't even get his ass kicked by the bully because his hot babysitter turns up and kicks his ass for him. <laughs> like, he has no problems. He's got the attention of the cute girl next door. Yep. He's He has nothing bad going wrong for him at all. It's true. I... I agree. I think the thing is, though, all the things in his life are good, not because of stuff he has done, though. That's the that's the point. It's growing up and taking yeah. responsibility for yourself. That's kind of the point of his. Well, yeah, like he's too afraid to drive at that start, and obviously that payoff is fantastic. Um, well, yeah, that that is a good point. There's there's two major fears that he expresses in this movie. And it's like it's the fear of needles and the fear of driving cars, and he he owns like in the scenes where those pay off, it's so good. Yeah, like it, he does such a good job doing. And it. And the driving thing, so this movie I think shares some similarities thematically with other movies in the kids on bikes genre because I totally count it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, this is this is a, a the youngest version of the coming of age. Story. Yeah. Um, and like if there's three, it's yeah. And if you look at this is the youngest. You look at if you look at it and you look at the book it and the fucked up scene where Stephen King has them all have an orgy underground in order to grow up, um mm. I think the driving thing is the same metaphor, right? And that's the metaphor of he you know, you 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 coming of age is learning to drive the car, right? Mm. Well, cause there was a weird uh, I can't remember exactly what brought it up because I, I watched the both these movies with a couple of friends, and we were talking about how the like the the first movie ends with him um, stealing his love interest's dad's 
uh, metaphor for his own penis, <laughs> and then and then impaling the hot babysitter with it. <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> it's him like claiming a dick and fucking destroying some chick with it. Like it was the 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 overt sexual tone is fucking like <laughs> is dense. Gross. <laughs> it is gross. Gross. But like that's what the movie seems to be doing. Like well, uh, Max, the best character in the whole franchise, <laughs> is is like constantly trying to teach Cole, the main character, like to stand up for himself and to take responsibility and to become powerful and masculine. While he's trying to kill him. Yeah. Yeah, but he'll stop trying to kill him. And to teach him that lesson and, and then kill him. To teach him that lesson and then go, yeah, fuck, good on you, man. I'm, and then like when he finally gets his comeuppance in the yeah. second movie and it's just like, I'm not even mad, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm so proud of you, Cole. I know. <laughs> He's like the closest thing to like a father figure in this movie. Yeah, or uh, or even a big brother. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah, or yeah, like a parental figure, a guiding figure, yeah. I should say. Because the thing yeah. is, the, the parents... The parents are an interesting comment in this because they, they, I also noticed it on this rewatch, they also are like, they're, they're like those overly handling parents, you know? Mm. They do they do smother him a little bit too much, protect him too much. Mm. They do it in a relatively natural way in the first movie, I think, that it's like they have this idea in their head that this kid requires coddling, yeah. that this kid and it, isn't as mature as he should be. And that's be. reflected in the fact that he still they, has a babysitter when he's, like, 12. And they enable that by, like, because that's what they expect of yeah. him. It's, it's, it's one of those, like, really simple mistakes that parents make all the time. Yeah. Of, like, assuming that it's part of their personality, like an intrinsic part of the person that isn't going to change, when the whole point of childhood is that you change a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do we want to talk about the antagonists? Well, yes, because they're incredible. (laughs) (laughs) They are the best bit of both of these movies. Now, you obviously should see this movie before we discuss it. You you should absolutely go into this blind. Yes. you sh- we've yeah. already said too much. Way too much. But at this point, go and go and see it and then come back yeah. and both movies go for less than 2 hours. Yeah, they're pretty they're like, pretty like they're speedy clean horror movies really. And they're not even that scary. You can watch, they're not like you can watch both of them in the length of time it takes you to watch Endgame. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just fact, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. <laughs> Do it. Yeah, treat it as just a really long movie. Mm. Um, you should. No, you absolutely should. We'll but <laughs> um, yeah, go see it. I genuinely recommend it because it. I was, I was somewhat interested when I saw the tra- when I initially saw the trailer for it. Um, I'm like, okay, that's mm. interesting. And then it kind of came out, and I didn't watch it. I'm like, I'll get around to it. And I went over to my yeah. friend's place. Marcello, and he was like, "Have you seen this?" And I'm like, "No." He's like, "We're fucking, we're, we're watching, watching it." it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I was like, "This is fucking amazing." <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm at with this movie. It's it's in the pile of like, oh, you haven't seen this. I have. Need we should watch. Well, because it's it's fun. It's also so 80s. Like it's set now, but it is so <laughs> 80s in its execution. Um. It feels I mean, like it enough. feels like a like what an eighties horror movie would look like now. 
is what I mean by that. Well, because it is a proper, like, it takes a lot of those old slasher genre tropes and genuinely flips yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like watching the first Scream. <sighs> I, I knew it. Yeah, I yeah, knew it. Yeah, I know, Cal. Because this does what... This is so much better than Scream. <laughs> but... Uh, well, the, di- blah, blah, blah. the difference with this is it actually... <laughs> it's not... It's a little more subtle with the flipping the tropes. Um, well, like the... Because th- it actually flips the tropes and doesn't just hang a lampshade on the tropes and claims... Yes, that it's, it's different to Scream. But I felt the way watching this as I did when I watched Scream was more my point. Sure. <laughs> I, I knew you would. I knew you would. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you want from me, Cal? What do you, what do you want? Uh, better, because this is better than Scream. But um, uh, That's fine. So, I'm okay with you saying that. What, <laughs> what, I, what I liked... Yes. Um... Is sort of that, like, the kid almost becomes the monster. It's sort of like Home Alone. Yeah. It it uh, it becomes like, um, yeah. The the villains are picked off one by one, and the villains follow the Cabin in the Woods um, character archetype trope list, yeah. rather than any of the the yeah, rather than the heroes being an entourage that that goes through it. Like, yeah. It genuinely flips these tropes. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, which is part of the fun in it, definitely. Um, mm. I had something I was going to say, and I thought I made a note of it. I'll just wait while my notes thing loads. While we're waiting to that, I did love that the whole, like, probably, even even more than the first act of this movie, is just Chekhov's arson. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Chekhov's gun after Chekhov's gun just over and over again yeah. of like how are these things going to come back it's like a more overt version of Shaun of the Dead yeah yeah a little bit yeah 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 well it's like the because kn- then you're just like oh well when's each thing going to come back by the, the knife end? in the washing machine you're like oh and, and then it fucks you with the knife in the dishwasher <laughs> I said yeah. out loud as it happened, the knife's in the dishwasher, and then it cuts to, like, the... It was the first time it actually did a flashback, like, confirming the Chekhov's gun. And I'm like, why are you doing this? It's so obvious, because you've done this trope a hundred times. And then it cuts to the dispassionate hand job with the parents. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit! This is genuinely funny and clever! <laughs> ah! <laughs> I was so surprised and I'm so happy that it happened. Um, and then your s- expectations are subverted again when uh, she gets her head blown off by B. Um, well, yeah. Like, <sighs> man, <laughs> I don't want to skip too much ahead to the second movie. So, yeah. But fuck, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, but so... Um, I, don't know, I just had I had such a a surprisingly good time with this, and yeah, yeah, yeah. it's uh it's great. Let's quickly because part of this movie is is Final Destination, like the deaths, um, yeah. So which is definitely a factor in why the second one is worse than the first one. <laughs> it it, yeah. it is, but I I'm gonna defend the second one before you know spoilers for sure sure yeah, yeah. for that, but. Uh, you've got like the one. Well, the first big death is obviously the guy getting his head stabbed, the sacrifice. 
Yeah. Um, You have the big what the fuck flash on the screen. Yeah, which was a little inconsistent. Like, that visual language hadn't come up before and this was already, like, half an hour into the movie. Well, and then I like the bit where it's like, pocket knife, bitches. (laughs) I'm like, oh, yeah. And then then, then they're like, can he not see that we could see him in the mirror? In the mirror. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And and he's still going. He's still going. That's adorable. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, cute. no, I, I enjoyed all that. There's there's lots of little great moments like that throughout the movie. Mm. Um, you got the two cops that die in horrific ways. Oh, it gets um, to the top of his head, like, pried off. Yeah. Oh. By the, yeah, the stick and um, mm. the, the cheerleader gets shot in the boob. <laughs> Man, that was the most unrealistic part of this whole movie, was that... Um, was that, like, the cops bust in, one of them gets a fire poker through the head, and the other one doesn't just instantly mow everybody down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Yes. <laughs> if, if my long-term partner just got skewered through the head with a fucking... <laughs> with a fire poker, I'd absolutely be gunning everybody down. Yeah, uh, I, I noticed that, and without getting political, I think, it re- re- realistically... Most police officers would be doing that. I think I think that's perfectly reasonable. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I I actually do in in the context of this movie. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> because again, fire poker through the head. Well, and also it would have been the sort of thing that hits the headlines, like oh yeah, uh, um, in a in a random police shootout in suburban America one cop dies and five teenagers die. <laughs> and you'd be like, oh, wait, hang on. <laughs> Maybe the cops did something bad here. <laughs> That's not a good thing. Yeah, in, in, in the real world, bad. In in horror movie, good. That's fine. Um, yeah, anyway, um, the cops both die horrific deaths. Yes. Uh, as does then everybody in the movie. I like the explosion under the house, which somehow doesn't burn the whole house down. Yeah, that was a little bit silly. I don't entirely know what was it supposed to be exploding. Well, it was a firework, and he covered her in... Um, yeah, in the bug was, spray. In the bug spray, which is flammable. So I think that stuff is what exploded, is the... Because um, well, he like gets the lighter and like flamethrowers her, but then the... So then is it the firework that explodes? Because she sort of explodes, and then there's a second explosion. <laughs> Don't think about it, I think is the... Uh... I, I thought the whole house was going to blow, that like something was going to fuck a gas pipe and oh, just blow and the whole blow the house place up. up. Yeah, ma- it yeah. It, no, it did not do that. Um, and then you've got the... Um, uh, what's his name? Max. Rob- Robbie Amell, Stephen Amell's uh, he- brother. <laughs> Is it really? It is, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm 99% <laughs> okay. sure it's him. He okay. has his shirt off just as much. Just um, for the whole thing, for no reason. Literally no reason. And I like they keep bringing it up. Yeah. But I again, mean, I like yeah. that he was... He, he, he would kind of subverted expectations himself, as in he was that guy. He was just there to kill people. Obviously horrible. Uh, but he was but also, he's also the most interesting character. And he was the most supportive of... <laughs> Yeah. Of the main character, and, and then he. Super uh, wholesome. I was gonna say <laughs> the least realistic, mm, least realistic death for me was his death. How he died. Yeah, where the I, rope magically wraps itself around his neck. 
I mean, and that shit does happen. I just didn't see how it happened under those specific... Like, mm. in that specific series of events. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the deaths weren't tremendous now that I think about it. Because that's two deaths that were pretty dumb. And then the first death is supposed to be like, shock, this movie's going to be... Like, this is how this movie's going to go. Like, yeah. Yeah. But there, I, there are quite a lot of practical effects. At least it looks like there is. Mm. Um, and... Because the movie seemed to be made on, like, nothing. Well, and that's like, what I think yeah. worked in the movie's favour. Is this is... Mm. And why McG... Because the movie looked good. Mm. Um, but like, McG turned up to Netflix and was like, I have an idea for a subversive horror comedy. We see, I don't... Went, I don't think like that's how it went. The, they're like counting out the millions of dollars and they're like, cool, how much do you need? And he's like, I don't know, 20 grand. <laughs> <laughs> and they go, well, shit, have two. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh no, I'm not prepared for this second one. <laughs> anyway. um, well, there's an interesting thing. So the babysitter, were, the first one was written by a guy called Brian Duffield. Yes. And he's the he only credited... writer on... He's the, the only one. credited writer on the first one. And the yeah. second one has four writers and he and isn't one of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think there is something to be said for that. Um, and I think he he also has written a couple of other um, movies that had success. You remember that movie that came out that no one saw um, called Jane Got a Gun? Yeah, I do remember the title. Yeah, so that was a movie that starred Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman... Uh, and that was one of his scripts, and it was a blacklist script. So he accepted, accepted onto the blacklist. I don't know if you know what that is. I think you've mentioned it before, but for the, for the audience. Well, so the blacklist, for those who don't know, is basically a list of... Um, uh, or it's, a, it's like a survey of the, a bunch of like screenplays that are really like good but haven't yet been produced, and it's published yeah. every year by the blacklist... They're a company, at, and it's a really good way if you're a screenwriter to get your script noticed. And even yeah. if you your film doesn't get made, maybe it will get uh, you'll get a job out of it because you're yeah. you can go. My script was on the blacklist. Yeah. Anyway, so I get the impression that he, he got Jane got the his script Jane got a gun 2015 mm. was on the blacklist, got made. And then this was 2017, and then he's made another one called Underworld um, or Underwater in 2020. Is another script right. he wrote, um, and I get the impression that he he had a script that got on the blacklist, got made, and then a bunch of people were like, well, all right, what else have you got? So he's like, suddenly his name is on all these scripts, and it's something mm. that he can get um, made. I obviously don't know that, but that's my guess. So someone's yeah. picked this script up, gone, hey, this is really good, Mick G, you want to direct it? Yeah. I think is how that probably all went. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, the the joke, like, the, the main point I wanted to get across before was, yeah, that, like, this movie got greenlit, like, it could have gotten greenlit on just how cheap it would have been to make alone. They needed, yeah. like, two sets. Yeah. With that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, some of the stunts and blood work would have been expensive, um, but I reckon it was probably filmed on a soundstage. Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah. you could have built that house on a soundstage. It would have been really easy. You have just that one soundstage. Mm. Um, and there's really only, like, two rooms that are, like, proper set up. Like, the bedroom's pretty barren. 
and it's only like one wall that you ever really see. That yeah. even the parents' bedroom is like that. It's just a master bed and a and a like high angle shot, so you don't see any of the walls. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like, yeah, you could tell that this was made on the cheap, which is fine, and that's why it worked. I think horror movies work better in general when they are a lower budget, because mm. um, generally those budget restraints will cause you to make choices that are often better. People don't give enough appreciation to boxing in creatives. Creatives are always mm. like, you got to let me be free to create whatever. And that's always yeah. when you get wanky shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is a becoming a rant on me against wanky... <laughs> against, um, Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Um. Yeah. Um, and it's fine to like and make wanky shit. Mm. But if you want... Sometimes the most creative like choices you'll make in film... Um, come from limitations, which is why, like, the first Star Wars movie, you know, pioneered so many kind of effects and choices um, and is the movie that it is. Because if you look at the original script, it's something else entirely. And if he had the budget to make that, I guarantee Star Wars wouldn't have been the success it was. Mm. So, you know, it's... it's the same with, like, old video games. You have a limited amount of hardware, so you make sacrifices and you... yeah the necessity of the limitations creates the invention of the, the product. Yeah. And, um, and I think horror movies have always done that. And it's why I like evil dead more than evil dead Two. I know that's not a, a very popular opinion, but the first evil dead is the best one by far. I think. Sure. I'm not going to fight you on that. Um, <laughs> I know I've said on this podcast before army of darkness is the best one. However, upon a rewatch, Evil Dead, I just it has a spot in my little heart that I can't and remove. That's totally fine. You're wrong. But that's <laughs> totally fine. Evil Dead Three. Boo. Is but Boo. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 fair enough. I also understand why people feel it's the best one. But yeah, um, I don't disagree or agree. Um, the babysitter. Yeah. Killer Queen. Yeah, let's Shall we? let's move on a bit because we're nearly forty minutes in. I think. I think I think we're only twenty. I thought, but I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Doesn't matter. So yeah, Doesn't uh, matter. Babysitter Two. Um, yeah, uh, Babysitter Killer Queen. Uh, babysitter babysitter Killer the Queen. second. Babysitters is. Uh, <laughs> uh, the problem is they called the first good. one. Well, no, it's not. So sad up front. It's not as good. However. <laughs> The reviews I, I are way worse, yeah, than they than the movie actually is. Because I think a lot of people would have reviewed it in a similar situation to me, where they watched them back to back, and back to back, you see the drastic drop in in writing quality. Yeah, and um, like, so the first one's really tight. It's clever. It's isolating, isolated. Mm-hmm. It's the whole Evil Dead book. Um, you know, yeah. isn't really a major point of the story because it's, it's just a, it's 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 another Chekhov's gun. It's a well, yeah. this book is light, is like delicate and dangerous, so it has to be destroyed by the third act. Yeah. Now this movie does do one thing that I think fixes a problem. The only problem I had with the first Babysitter movie, and that is yeah. that the girl next door is fucking weird. She's real weird is in she? that first in that first babysitter movie. She's real weird. I I I I was like, why are you so off? I don't know. I mean, I think it's because she's a little bit too tropey. She's like, oh, I see a boy do a heroic thing. 
and yeah, that's yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was, that might be it. It was set up that they liked each other, which yeah was weird when the second movie comes in and she apparently has a boyfriend. I thought that was very strange. Because like, I mean, and then makes sense by the time you hit the turn of the first act. But I thought it was very strange. So my problem with the second movie is like ex- they had it, they, they had the perfect setup for an anthology. Yeah, like because all you have to do is establish that there is this magic book and this magic spell that you can do, and any anyone who ever figures out or finds out about it could do it. The second movie. Um, like, it just gets too hung up on the first movie. Like, you could have very easily just done, this is another um, blood sacrifice cult in some other place with some other kid, and it could have been just as interesting. Yeah. Um, and Because I, I think what they were going for with this second movie is, we've done young coming of age, let's do high school coming of age. Like, yeah. Let's do post-puberty coming of age. Um, but ultimately, all they did was take a bunch of characters who were interesting and recontextualize at least be the babysitter into being not as interesting. Only because it's one of those cases of a mystery is always more interesting than an answer. No matter what the answer is, generally. But also, villains are more interesting than heroes. Yes. They just are. Yep. Uh, and so when B in the first movie is, no, I've done this to dozens of kids before you and I'll do it to dozens of kids after you. I'm a bad person. I had a personal connection with you that was real, Cole, but I am an evil bastard and I will continue to... I could have been doing this for centuries. If this gives me a wish each time, I could have been doing this forever. Yeah. It just so happens that you're the first, like you're the kid who's given me the most trouble. Yeah, um, and th- but then the and second so he- movie is all like, oh no, she was a good guy all along, and it had nothing to do with this book, even though it kind of does. And then there's a demon, like a literal demon, and <laughs> there's yeah. like actual magic. And well, like, that was the, the first- thing as well. It was kind of ambiguous in the first one how magical this stuff was, because nothing supernatural actually happens in the first one at all. These kids could have no. just been wrong. It's Except only for that. when B says that she's done it before, yeah, that implies that there's any magic going on, yeah. And then in the second movie, like the first scene of the second movie, is he pulls a glass of milk and it turns to blood and gore, and then it's revealed that it's just a freak out because he's got complex PTSD, yeah, which is setting up a, an unreliable narrator to give us an out for a whole bunch of crazy shit to happen. And then for it to be a hallucination. And then they give him more drugs. And it like could be like there's totally like an opening here for like he could actually be crazy, like everyone's saying that he is. And then he and then he literally throws those drugs away. Yeah. Um, and then all the supernatural shit just immediately happens and confirms that it's none of those things. Yeah, and there are multiple points of view, so it's definitely not him being crazy yeah yeah I, I i don't disagree i had fun with this movie because of all the stuff was that was happening but i i i agree that it well and also be her absence through most of the movie is also part of the problem because mm. the the his love interest as the villain while while a fun twist doesn't she isn't as interesting as b's character was 
And she's not as interesting as she was in the first movie as just someone who has heard about the shit that he's gone through, kind of believes him, but doesn't know for sure. Like, it could have been really interesting to have her be the first person in his life to have confirmation that all that shit was real. And, yeah. And that those things actually happened. Because really, she didn't see much. No. In, in, in the first movie. And, yeah. So, like, it, like there, there could have been some, like, really interesting growth here for that character. But instead, we got discount bargain basement fucking Daria throwing bullshit out there about murdering her parents and then her feeling guilty for a car accident when she was like way too young to even understand how any of this shit works and she's still like what the fuck man like ah i mean i get she's so much less interesting (laughs) yeah i mean i didn't not like her character and i thought her performance was pretty good but it's just it's because it's all told to us is the problem Mm. we're not and yeah it's told to the character too. What was interesting about mm. the first one is he figures everything out. He's like, yeah. oh, I'm not the first kid, am I? And then yeah. she's like, well, no, you're not. Like, yeah. that's telling us something, but it's something the character figures out with yeah. us. Therefore, it's more interesting. And it gives you, like, enough time to have thought about it as the audience to have also had that same thought. Yeah. Um... And to th- for then be to just like basically tell us her backstory that she was very similar to Cole, that she was weak and small and she didn't like it and and through this blood ritual she has become powerful and sexy and and able to dominate other people um, because that's what she wanted like it made her a really good foil for Cole that made her a like this is what can happen if you don't just get your shit together. You know, if you start resorting to Faustian bargains to <laughs> to try and solve the problem, you become worse. Yeah. Which they try and hammer in in the, in the second movie by, again, just telling us. By, like, having it be told to us by the history teacher. Or the well, English and it's, teacher. it's a little less shocking in some ways, too. Brienne called that with the whole going into the cupboard to do the kissing thing. She's like, another make-out thing. They're going to be... Hmm. They're gonna, he's another sacrifice again for these kids, and yeah. and that was spot on. Mm. Um, yeah, I I can't pinpoint what like why it's worse. Over, like I can, and it's that the story is just a bit more muddled. There's well, less there's, clarity. There's no story again. It's just it's another sequence of gory death scenes that make even less sense than the previous ones, and they didn't make much sense. I was going to say, though, they're still pretty fun. And I like the flashback to their origins. Um, Sure. Particularly Max's. Is that the thing? Because he's the best character. And you do want to see him deep fry that character. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, She calls him a cunt. I know. In America. Like, it's not even... Like, if this is Australia, it's like, oh, yeah, whatever, Sheila, if I can calm down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but, yeah, and so the um, they set up Phoebe, this new love interest character, as someone who, like, she says, um, oh, I thought they were zombies. I really hate zombies. Like, she's fought zombies before, and it was like... It's- yes. It sort of became clear in that moment that, like, she's been through this shit before. 
And then when they do the whole reveal with B later on, I was like, oh, okay. So like, like, I, I originally thought that there was just more supernatural shit going on in this universe. She was the protagonist from some completely different movie who just happens yeah. to have met up with the protagonist of this movie, making yeah. a really interesting meta point. And then they ruin it. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And that's where I thought they were going with it. And that would have actually worked a hell of a lot better. Like if her yeah. parents were like vampire hunters or something. Well, and that's why this... they've got all the weapons in the basement. But even like, just, she lived in the cabin in the woods and they were besieged by undead things like in fucking, like in Evil Dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She could have been the main character. For, she could be Ash. She could be yeah. Ash. Yeah. Um, and and then and then you could still make B the villain. You can have, I fought her already. I thought she was dead. You know, like yeah. if you really want to do all that, you could still yeah. do all that so and that would be know- interesting. You know her? Yeah, I blew her head off while I drove a car through her. Yeah. <laughs> like, there could have been some interesting things Make going her Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Sure. And then that still makes her at least more interesting than just, I guess I'm discount Daria. Well, and then you've got B's origins being that she made a deal Was with the devil to, to save, save... Phoebe? Phoebe. And look, I'm fine with... I'm fine with that if it pays off. Because that but, set up, yeah. like, because it's always... Because I do like... It's a bit of a trope, admittedly, but I do like the story that all bad deeds start with good intentions. Like... Yeah. And, like, but, she but made this deal with the devil for a good intention, and then mm. that leads but, her down this hole. But, like, I think... I think good is is the word that... It, it needs needs tweaking there. I think all bad deeds start with selfish intentions. Sure. Like, in the sense that, like, B being the character who was weak and small and made a wish to be strong by defeating her bullies. Like, if yeah. she was basically Carrie... Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, who then becomes super powerful in this and this interesting supernatural force in a relatively normal world, who then is corrupted by that power and is ultimately defeated by someone else in a similar situation... Super interesting. Yep. And, and, like, there's places to go with that. But if she's a good person right from the beginning, it really does undermine how manipulative and evil she was and, therefore, how charismatic she was in the first movie. Yeah. I also feel, as much as I liked all the deaths and all the flashbacks of the other characters' origins, you could have just had them show up in that final scene when they pop Mm. out of the thing. And that would have been an interesting, like, reveal at the end. Like mm. through this sacrifice, they're gonna come back. I'm like, mm. oh damn, that 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 could be, you know, yeah, that could be a good reveal. Um, although yeah, it might feel whole... tacked on, I don't know. It, mm. But B's appearance seemed tacked on. It's like they, it, it's like they yeah. couldn't, co- they couldn't convince um, what's her name, Samara Weaving, to um, mm. Hugo Weaving's her uncle, by the way. Oh, okay. um, she's Australian. Yeah, uh, I they... did a little bit of IMDb-ing on her. She was in a murder mystery movie that was set in Australia. Mm. Uh, Stillwater or something? I can't remember. Oh, uh, yeah, Blue yeah, Water. yeah. Um, Blue Water yeah. High? Murder mm. mystery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Best kids Fucking show. collab with H2O, just add water. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, 
Yeah, like I think yeah they could have they could have benefited from seriously toning down the supernatural elements. Yeah. Um, and giving us some more characters and some more returning characters from his high school life. Like seeing yeah. what that bully would have been up to at this point could have been really interesting. Um, and was he like, not the kid who was in it already? Was he not in nah. it? I thought he was. No, nah, the the bully. Um, yeah, the the bully from the first movie is just not in the second movie uh, and neither huh. is his two flunkies who sort of turn and go like yeah I, I acknowledge that you're kind of cool now yeah because you crashed a car through a building that's cool yeah yeah I mean yeah yeah it is <laughs> yeah um, also, and, and the- I was going to say that's also the thing with this movie it doesn't have a final act moment like that it doesn't mm. have like B's arrival is meant to be that but B's arrival when I kind of like you see her in the flashbacks earlier in the movie so you know the actress is in the movie so you're like, mm. she's going to have to show up at some point. So it doesn't, mm. it's not as big of a reveal as it should be. Mm. Um, and it's no car flying through the front mm. of a house. It kind of felt Queen. like a Doctor Who episode that's uh, sort of light, a Doctor Light story. Yeah. Where the whole point is getting the Doctor back and then he turns up sonic screwdriver something and then he's done. Makes reference yeah. to the Lion King and goes home. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it just felt like I was here for these other characters. Why am I now watching the more marketable character from the previous movie do a thing? Yeah. Um, I did... Yeah. Yeah. I I, I, I mean, I, I found it funny. I did find it funny when it was like, it's got to be the blood of the innocent, but you're not innocent anymore, are you, Cole? And then and then the, they're like, what the fuck? You knew that and you didn't tell us? Max is like... Fucking good for you, bro. I'm not even mad. Like those are. <laughs> I did like yeah. that moment. That payoff I thought was good, and I suspect like all those it... characters were consistent. Yeah, you know, like it, it could have been a problem with that. Like a lot of se- a lot of sequels don't nail the characterization from the original movie, and like this one did. It did. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, just that yeah. the backstory they gave to everyone. Mm-hmm. Mainly B and Phoebe, who's the new character, like it didn't play on the tropes the same way the original one did. Like they could have yeah. played with the cabin in the woods trope more. Yeah, um, and like also I found so it much... odd. Just on a side yeah. note, while I'm on the cabin in the woods, that her yeah. that his mum and dad didn't come on yeah, the trip. Well, because I th- I thought where they were going with that is that um, the. Uh, the dad smoking weed with the other dad is now an unreliable witness. So when yeah. when he's the one who sees it and then he goes home and tells his the wife and then the wife's like, yeah, but you fucking stink of pot. Like, you, you're clearly on drugs, mate. Yeah. And, and now now it's back to square one again for the... For the third for the one. movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened, to be honest, but... It, it might happen off screen. Um, I, I did like because it, it is one of those things in one of these movies even like Scream is you, oh, Scream isn't a good example what's it like supernatural one where it's like someone comes out and says I got killed by a, you know all these people got killed by the supernatural beings and there's no evidence and it's like yeah. well no one believes you yeah yeah because well, there's no evidence mm, I mean I guess like I don't in a lot of the supernatural ones, it's just sort of not the point. No, like, it's not. It, it's more just defeating the bad guy that's the point in the first place. And that now yeah. they, like in 
uh, like, because the only one that's explicitly supernatural in the first one that I can think of is um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Because, like, yeah. um, Friday the 13th is like, oh, no, it's all, it was all just the mum all along. It's not supernatural at all. Until the, the first final Friday the 13th scene. is so <laughs> bad. <laughs> like, all of these movies are bad, man. And then, like, I don't know. The like, first like, Nightmare on Elm Street's good. Yeah, sorry, yeah. First Nightmare on Elm Street is good. Like, it is the the standout of that. I like thing. the original Halloween. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't like any of the Halloween movies. That's and that's fine. Um, I'm not. I don't. I'm not one of the people who has a lot of stake in the Halloween film franchise. The new one. Why would you? They reveal the trailer for the new one, and I'm like, boo, boo. <laughs> Because do you remember the last one? The, the the cabin burnt down with Michael Myers trapped in the basement. Mm. And the cabin's burning and they're watching it. You know how this new one opens? Because it's in the trailer. They're in the back of a pickup driving away from the cabin on the street and they watch firefighters drive past them and they're like, No! Don't put the fires out! Don't do it! And I'm like, it's fine because he's already dead. He's got to be dead. The house was so on fire. And he was in the basement. He's so dead. Smoke he's inhalation. Not, he's, he's so dead. Low. But he's not going to be dead, is he, Cal? No, because he's a force of nature. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking. Uh, Though I did uh, like the, I did so like dumb. the new one, but yes, they uh, are dumb. Yeah, like my my problem with um with the Halloween movies is not even necessarily that the movies are bad. It's just a boring. It, it's just a boring villain. Like, I have a problem with Michael Myers more than I have a problem with... with it, those movies have to... are built on interest, on the interesting characters. So if you don't make the characters interesting, the movie's boring. Because the villain isn't interesting. Yeah. Or I, 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 He is interesting, but he's not as interesting. Because he's no Freddy Krueger. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean... Um, and the babysitter, right? Hmm. Um... I yeah. would watch a third one of these. I, I, I definitely would, especially if it, they do go more anthology with it. Um, or, or if they... Or even I if just, it's his kid and he's slightly grown up now and he's, like, fighting Satanic cult with Phoebe, like, they're now Satan hunters. I'd also be cool <laughs> with that. Like, do something. Go, go fucking weird and crazy with it. Well, and I think, like, if they're doing the trilogy of coming-of-age stories, like, going from... College. Yeah, yeah, you do the college coming of age story next um, and figuring out what it is you want to do with your life. And yeah, like it's, there's definitely room there. Um, I just hope they don't just bring back all the same characters again and kill them in another gory way um, for, well, that... for no real reason. I don't know. Yeah, 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 I know, I agree. It... it... It was just there were a lot of strange choices in the second one. I still enjoyed it because it still looked great. It was still it's fun. Still, there were a lot of great fun, fun, gory deaths. It's still fun. Yeah. The second, uh, yeah, the second babysitter is still fun. It just doesn't work on the meta kind of level that the first one was kind of unusually good at. It was just much. It's yeah. It's much closer to like Scream. No, sorry, not not Scream. So it's much closer to like scary movie than it is like Scream. Yes, yeah, is what I was trying to say. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I it's almost a parody of the first Babysitter movie. Yes, 
Um, and like, it spent way too long doing the thing that shits me about Scream, just making overt references to things as if that's the joke, as if that's the whole point of the movie. Yeah. Uh, even like, even jokes that I didn't get that I had to have my friends point out to me, like um, Bella <laughs> Thorne shooting the, the rabbit and the deer, being like, I'm killing Bambi and Thumper. Um because because I'm not a I, I'm like, I'm from the Disney machine, and fuck that. Yeah, right. And to me, I'm just like, why are you shooting everything but the boy you're trying to kill? <laughs> like, it's just silly. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be alive for the ritual, Cal. Then just like ah, you, you can shoot a rabbit with perfect accuracy and blow it up, blow his fucking leg off. Um. Oh, I don't know. Just fucking don't. I don't know. It just... Some of this felt so dumb compared to the first one, which is like... Surprisingly like pulls, clever. Like when he pulls the drill out and closes the grate. Yeah. Trapping uh, What's-Her-Face from Pitch Perfect in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, that was... I was like, oh, that's actually clever. Yeah. <laughs> and like that's, a, that, <sighs> that's the thing. This one isn't... It, it, it's it's just I'd actually say it's just as fun, but it isn't as clever, so it's not as enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, is yeah, how I would break exactly it down. Right. Yeah, but overall, I highly recommend both. If you've listened to all this and spoiled both movies, maybe you know whatever. Yeah, um, yeah maybe don't. But... The the one thing I will say that scene with the snake under the car, mm. super intense scene, scarier <laughs> than anything else in the movie. <laughs> I mean, because it really felt like they were just trying to do the um, the spider scene again. And it lost yeah. all tension for me when Phoebe just snatches the snake just mm. as it's about to strike. Like, oh, that's that's dumb. And, like, what, what was the point of increasing that tension then if you were just going to snuff it out? Maybe. Uh, Maybe. Um, before, have you, got, have you got anything else particularly to say on the movies? I'm sure I do. I I think I sort of ruined uh, like this this episode a little bit by talking so much about it with like with other people before this episode, and I forget what I've mentioned and what I haven't. Um, but like I don't know. We we went so deep into like what ca- like the point of horror and whether or like what killed quote unquote the genre and. Like whether or not this is on, like this is who, similar or who, who, on part of Cabin in the Woods. Who thinks the horror genre is dead? No, not not that not that it's dead. That like um, that everything changed after Scream was the conversation S- that we were having. Scream killed the slasher film, <sighs> but the slasher film was already dead. <sighs> yeah, that 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 was okay. That was almost exactly my point. Is that like the. 30 years worth of doing the same shit over and over again killed the slasher genre. And then Scream, Scream... just came along, put a lampshade on the dead horse and said, look how good I am. I was going to say, remember these things that you liked? Well, subverted. And I love that it about doesn't, Scream. Though. It doesn't subvert any of them. It just lists them. All right. I still enjoy the lists <laughs> then. Scream is the buzzfeed of slasher movies. That's fine. Correct. That is the accurate interpretation. I love Scream, but I'll own that. Uh, but that's why slasher films are dead. I would argue this only borders on a slasher film. It's because it's mostly like it. It takes more of its tropes from yeah, like like a couple of comedy things, like 
there's definitely some Home Alone styling to it. Yeah. Um, it's kids on bikes. Um, kids on bikes. Because it's and... it's not versus one villain, which is usually the thing in a slasher film. It's mm. like a bunch of kids against the big bad, whereas this is a bunch of big bads against a kid, which is why yeah. it's kind of different. Yeah, which is that that's the that's the sort of the flavor that comes from um, Home Alone. Yeah. But in doing that in a horror setting, it's almost like a reverse monster movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, and it's, in, it's in just clever. Horror being dead, uh, I would argue that horror just changes, as with all genres. The, that, that is what we got to as well, yeah. That like, just horror... Of... I was going to say, horror still exists and is still one of the most profitable genres to make because they're still the cheapest. But you look at a movie like The Conjuring... Like, mm. that has spawned an entire franchise of spin-offs. You know how many mm. movies are in the Conjuring universe? It's insanity. Mm. It's too many. Yeah, but also correct. things like <laughs> But also things like uh, the success of Logan and Deadpool showed that it doesn't matter what the rating is, parents will still take their kids to go and see things if they expect their kids will like it. So in some cases, movies, yeah. So R-rated movies are not necessarily a bad thing to take your 15-year-old kid to. Like, you can go and see Happy Death Day or the new Chucky remake, and it's totally fine well, and for your 15-year-olds. They're both soft horror, so yeah. it's fine for, yeah, the, that kind of age group. But then you even... But then in the world of horror, there's also... I don't want to call it new age, but it's like... It's, it's these modern horror movies that deal with themes in such a new way, like Get Out... Or the Invisible mm. Man, which take like modern, like kind of social problems and put it onto a horror movie like trope mm. to mm. such great effect. And I'm like, I want more of those movies. Yeah, I think I don't remember if it was Stephen King. I think it was somebody who's generally considered smarter than Stephen King, uh, <laughs> who was talking about like the difference between terror and horror, and like terror is a big spider monster that's that's trying to take over a small town and horror is coming home and realizing that your entire home has been replaced by exact replicas of all your things. <laughs> yeah. like, horror is like designed to get into your brain and make you question things and freak you out. Whereas terror is just, Bleh. yeah, it's the different. And, and that's why horror is not dead in any way because there's, well, again, it's that's it versus mm. the invisible man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, The Invisible Man is proper horror, and it kind of isn't. It is not. It's... It's... Like... It's a monster movie. It's still horror, but it's not... It's not horrifying. It's spooky. Yeah. And, like, getting getting a little bit, like, into the... Like, we, we we come back to, like, the taxonomy of genre, and, like what thing is just an umbrella term for something else. I'm thinking that horror is almost like so high up this taxonomy list that it's, that it's not useful anymore. It's, it's like if you go to like the ancient debate of like whether or not comedy and tragedy are two different things. Yeah. Whereas, and like that being sort of defined as like all types of art or storytelling can be broken down into whether good things happen to the characters or bad things happen to the characters. Like ha- yeah. happy face, frowny face, good things, bad things, and horror is like just one step down from that. Well, horror—it's just bad things happening to the characters. I was gonna say horror has all the same problems as sci-fi, though. Like 
E.T. and E.T. and uh, Star Trek are in the same genre somehow, even though they share nothing yeah. in common. Um, As Endgame and <laughs> yeah, 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 same, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, horror, I would argue, is the same because the Babysitter and Get Out and hmm. um, I can't think of any other horror movies. What have I got on my list? And Upgrade <laughs> are all part of the same genre. Um, and, but Upgrade's mm. also sci-fi, so it's, you know... Yeah, well, and, like, because... I mean, that's almost a bad list again, because I, I would sort of count all of those as proper horror. Like, that, like... I, 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 I couldn't think of any of the fake horrors I was no, just yeah. thinking of, but... but you're, you're right, but, yeah, like, It, um, and, um, uh, like, Cabin in the Woods almost isn't. Um, well, it's like Shaun of the Dead's a comedy more than it is a horror. How, like... And, like, zombie movies, like, vary very much between, um, uh, like, terror and horror in with that dichotomy. Like, there's there's the terrifying zombies of something like 21 Days Later, where it's just like, oh, you're, you're fucked. And 28. you're fucked because it's... Sorry, what did I say? 21. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, my bad. We'll, we'll get a tweet, Cal, <laughs> and it'll be from, it'll be from Matt. <laughs> But yeah, like that, like there's those yeah, twenty eight days later movies that yeah. ve- that flip flop between terror and horror between like these are like big scary things running and sprinting and screaming at you trying to kill you, but then there's also um, Christopher Eccleston's subtle yeah. fucking manipulation bullshit, which is way scarier than any of the zombies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like and the real monster you- is man. <laughs> And you watch like the new Dawn of the Dead, and it's like the real monster Zack Snyder, and yes. <laughs> well, and horror is also relative, is another interesting thing. So my, mm. you know, at Flint Monkey, friend of the podcast, Matt, um, mm. he is a dick to watch horror movies with because he'll watch something like The Conjuring and go as if you're fucking scared. It's all fake. Yeah, boo, yeah. boo, ghosts aren't real, blah, blah, blah. But he'll watch the Meg and freak the fuck out because <laughs> it's about a, a thing he can't see under the water going chomp. And I'm not yeah. going to take away from one person's fear over the other. Like, you know, mm. a phobia of sharks is a thing. Mm. But also he needs to stop being a dick about the other stuff. Mm. But my point being is that is a relative in horror. So he doesn't find mm. one thing horrifying I do and he finds something horrifying that I find amusing. And so that's an interesting point because I think that like that is almost a, a, a terror thing as well. That yeah. like the um, the shark is terror. It's a big monster just coming to get you. It's reasonable for you to be scared of it. The ghosts and shit that make you question the nature of reality in general. And it's like you can be scared of something even though it's not real because it doesn't matter if it's real because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It doesn't operate on the normal rules of reality. So when you get up to go to the toilet in a dark house and you hear something, it fucking could be a ghost. You don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so you it can could be 99% be a... sure that ghosts aren't real. But if they fucking are, you're <laughs> fucked, mate. <laughs> There's not a shark in your living room. Definitely Because that's not. not how sharks work. There might know. be a ghost because that is how ghosts work. We did do that shark podcast cal and we did discuss the land shark episode where it is a shark that just oh no floats on the land <laughs> it could be a shark, and the ghost shark it's a ghost shark ah! <laughs> um i have one final question for you before we wrap up cool love it what's your five person sci-fi team to go and face the big bad 
Oh, because it was a really good <laughs> idea to bring the xenomorph. It, Except that now you've got to fight the xenomorph, and then well, and then my mate was like, "Yeah, but that's such a, that's your sequel bait." Now they've got to go and fight the xenomorph in the <laughs> second movie. <laughs> well, she brought the xenomorph egg, mm, which is clever. Yeah, because yeah, if you then just you put a xenomorph in there, you're just going to get everybody killed. Yes, yes, exactly. But the idea of watching Sigourney Weaver be like, "Get away from her, you bitch!" and just like throwing a xenomorph egg at them. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I back. Good. I back that. Um, <sighs> I, I don't rate bringing Kirk and Picard though. I feel like that's unnecessary. Two, you don't need two members of leadership. Well, that and yeah, yeah, fair enough. Kirk and Picard would be dumb. Um, but uh, they're very hmm. different leaders, but they're both leaders. You take one leader. Yeah, yeah, and like that. That's an interesting man. Dude, I if you had warned me, I probably could have come up with a really good one. Um, I, I, I mean, because the answer zero. is just you—you you just bring like Superman, uh, Captain Marvel, the Doctor, uh, Thor, the Doctor, and me. I don't know who cares. <laughs> like, like, because the, the other thing is, if you're gonna bring the Doctor, you bring like I don't know Rose or whoever the fuck they're falling in love with for this particular arc, because those two together are invincible. But just the Doctor on their own might die. That's true. But then just, <laughs> and regenerate, just regenerate and still be there. <laughs> yeah, but then we got to wait like a whole episode for them to like <laughs> get their shit together. we got to like recast. Watch them eat. That takes like so a month. So much food. Um, <laughs> Come up with a whole bunch of like really dumb like one-liners that the Tumblrites are going to be like, Ah, oh, it's my Doctor. <laughs> Fuck, man. Uh-huh. But yeah, you just bring all the OP characters who just win everything. Yeah. Yeah, fair. And and you, you're the everyman. Yeah. You're the yeah. everyman that grounds them. It's just like what? What is going on? <laughs> this is horrible. This is all so horrible. <laughs> also, yeah. I, the one I would have thrown in is Rocket Raccoon, but okay. I mean, just for the quips, for the quips and bombs. Uh, bombs are good. <laughs> I do like bombs. Um, but yeah, like there's a reason why you you pick just the. The OP bullshit characters. It's like, what are they actually like? What big bad could possibly be bad enough that yeah to to kill every one of the like to get through all of that plot armor? <laughs> Batman, the guy who is. <laughs> <laughs> but because th- then, like, in if it's Batman, then you bring Robin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and a, and like try and get through because Batman would only if it's be under mind control. You bring his dead parents. You dig oh, him up. Ah, you just you just <laughs> scream, Martha. Just yeah. <laughs> but if you and on that note. Um, so for those who haven't watched the movie, at the start of the movie and at the end of the movie, they it's a real nice bookend actually. Where B and the and the kid they they tell each other their five person sci fi team where they go to fight the big bad. Um, tweet us at Video Shop Pod. What's your five person sci fi team to versus oh, the big bad? That is a good one, and I'll come up with one. We'll come up with our definitive next list one. for next week. Mm. And next week's Spooktober, who knows what it'll be? It's probably, probably going to be Candyman. But it's a spooky surprise. See you, nerds.